Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. And literally one of my good friends on the air, and uh, he has a segment we started years and years ago when still we relied upon the horse and buggy, Dr. History, good morning. Good morning, Zeb. Good to see you again. I'm bright and cheerful. Glad to be here. Believe me, yes. Glad to have you here. Uh, Before we start, I want to say hi to four people. Okay. Megan, who sent me some information about a horse called the Moyle Horse. The Moyle Horse. Now, I'd never heard of this horse, but she sent me some information about that. Okay. Uh, I want to say hi to Mar- Mark and his wife. They are in Nevada, and they travel around uh, to all the historical sites. Greg, who's in New Orleans, and uh, appreciate his comments. And then Phil, up in Vancouver. A while back, I did a story about a guy named Billy Miner, and there's a pub called the Billy Miner Pub in Vancouver. Seriously. And he sent me a picture of that pub. And all of them listen to this program. They do. They do. It's amazing. I I just absolutely am amazed. as. And by the way, old Zeb wants to say hello to you, too, and I hope you're having a great year. Uh, But, man, I tell you what, we appreciate that. Did they send you any story ideas? Uh, They... uh uh, not really. But, well, yeah, they do. I have people that will send me suggestions. So, yes, I... I, I have the same thing. People send me a lot of suggestions, too. <laughs> yeah, but you're still going to stay on the air. <laughs> so here we go, Zeb. Okay. Let me just put this picture in your mind. Wouldn't you love to have been there? Okay. With the stagecoach comes running in, the cloud of dust, the horses are covered with sweat and dust, they've just been chased by outlaws or Indians, and wouldn't you love to have been just standing there watching the excitement of that stage come running in? And uh, That depends on whether the Indians are right behind them. Yeah, well, hopefully they weren't. <laughs> but you know, those days are gone, obviously, the days of the, the stage driver cracking his whip over the horses and uh, going over the sand, the mountains, the trees. Trails and of course, there's no really old timers left that actually saw any of that happen. But you know, though, here I got to show you this picture. Okay. I, I meant to do this the other day when you were here of Ray Bagby and the stagecoach that yes, he I, built. Have I've you seen, seen that. that? Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful. He's restored that uh, stagecoach really, really nice. That is a prime picture on my desk here, yeah. and it makes you wonder, you know, when they talk about galloping in and going yeah. over hill and dale, the guys that could stay up on top of those stagecoaches were amazing. <laughs> they were. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's been stories that have been passed down over the years, and we're going to talk about one of those stagecoach stories. But we got to start with a place called Martin's Wells. Okay, Now, this was a relay station, uh, one which had more than its share of danger. In 1867, Lieutenant John Martin, a native of Caledonia, New York, joined the U.S. Army. His tour of duty brought him to the southwest, and it was during this hitch that he crossed the, you might have to help me with this, the Jornado, Jornado of New Mexico. Now, let me go on a little further, and maybe it'll... Uh, you'll be able to help me on that. It's a hot, waterless piece of desolation. It's in the shadow of the Caballo Mountains. Caballo. How, how do you spell that, Jornado? J-O-R-N-A-D-O. Jornado. 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 Jornado yeah. of Jornado. New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, anyway, during the war with the Apaches, and again when he, he was in charge of the military escort, which accompanied the U.S. mail north from Las Cruces, he passed over this area several times. Now, 
when he was done with the army, he returned once again, and he was determined to homestead in this desert area, and they called it Ailman, hmm. uh, in memory of his father, who was born in Germany. Now, people laughed at him because John Martin was uh, starting to dig a well in a place where nobody thought it was possible. And, and this was in this area, this right. desert yeah. area. Uh-huh. Yeah. But as impossible as it was, he did succeed, and after only digging to a depth of 86 feet by hand, uh, so happy was he with his success, he started another well and struck what he called it was white gold once more at 120 feet. That's a long ways down did, to now, dig. Now, did he dig this all by himself? Well, I'm going to tell you about that a little bit. I figured you okay. would. Okay. So with this victory, the ex-soldier established a ranch and a relay station long to be known as Martin's Wells. Huh. Now, uh, so... The name Hornada del Muerto is translated loosely from the Spanish, meaning journey of the dead man. So this desert place, people died trying to cross it. Muerto. Yeah, Muerto. Uh, Because the conquistadors had to cross it to make it from Las Cruces to Socorro, New Mexico. Does that help you geographically a little better? It's not far from, I think, the Kit Carson National Forest. Okay. Now, it was the name given by the Spanish conquistadors to the Hornada del Muerto Desert Basin, and it's a 100-mile stretch. Wow. Uh, of this route, and you had to make sure you drank a lot of water with your animals and your horses and everything before you headed out, because there was no water to be found for that hundred miles. Wow! Now, so Martin's he had some workers. Okay, now there was no sign of water to be found in the well. They were digging, they were digging, going down through rock. I mean, this wasn't just dirt. Well, the end of the day came one day when Martin looked down into the hole where the men were drilling in the solid rock. And he basically was about ready to give up. He, and uh, one of the guys said, well, should we? They were using dynamite. So he said, shall we load up the hole we're putting in and try one more blast? The foreman asked. Well, the blast went off while they were seated uh, themselves at dinner. The meal was eaten, and some of the men uh, helped to bring in and harness the mules. The others started to pack the wagons. One man kind of sauntered over to the well hole, and he looked down to see what the blast had done. Well, the well was half full of water, and the water was still rising. The last blast had opened up the rock down to a water vein, and Martin's fortune was made. You know, I've got to ask the question here. Was it a company that this man owned, this Mr. Martin? And what was the purpose of him thinking that there was water out there? I, I I don't know what his thinking was, but I but he wanted to establish a ranch or uh, you know uh, out there. In so the he went out. at this and really didn't have any clue. No, and uh, he was on his own. He didn't. Uh, wow. So he must have had some money, but uh, all the great wagon traffic and the stages over this uh, had to pay him a toll. Now maybe that was his. Oh, uh, I see. And his well was really a mine of wealth to him. The charge per horse or ox for watering was twenty-five cents, and the long wagon trains, which constantly crossed the desert, uh, the profits counted up fast. One class of travelers, however, the Apaches never paid a toll to Martin. Yeah. Okay. They would come to the well usually by night, water the horses, and ride away, but they never bothered anybody. You know, there's a commodity of water that was absolutely a necessity to stay alive. Exactly. And you would think that he would have had trouble trying to enforce that pay the quarter. Uh, yeah, but 
you know, evidently it worked. So, okay, so now we've established Martin's Well. Now I'm going to tell you the story that happened there. Oh, okay? the story. So because the Indians in the neighborhood were numerous and they were kind of hostile, Martin built his adobe building in the shape of a block U. Okay, so picture this. It's a U-shaped. The open end was soon protected by an adobe wall 8 feet high and 24 inches thick. Between two of the buildings, he left a gap just wide enough for a stage and team to pass through and closed it with a thick wooden gate. So if you kind of got this picture, yeah. it's a uh, U-shape, but on one end, it's open with this big, thick gate. Okay, just wide enough for a, a wagon. And it was through this gate that the Point of Rock stage from 20 miles away made its entrance after a rough run. Now, Martin remained at this ranch until 1875. He engaged in the business of stock raising, and in that year, he finally moved to Santa Fe and remained there until his death in 1877. Wow. Now, the station continued to operate after he left and brought uh, protection and rest to all these weary travelers. And there's a lot of stories that have been told and are buried with those who told them. But one of these stories has lived through the years, and it concerns a driver by the name of Jacoby and his encounter with Indians during a run. Oh, boy. Okay. Jacoby was a stage driver. Yeah. All right. Now, stationed at the Point of Rocks relay station, Jacoby would wait uh, the arrival of the stage from Masila, Masila, New Mexico. I think it's, yeah, I'm Masila, not sure Masila. on that one. I'm not sure. Uh, upon its arrival, he would hitch up his team of six black horses. Can't you just picture that? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, last-minute passengers would be put aboard, and away they would go on the 20-mile run to Martin's Wells. Now, not much is remembered of Jacoby except that he was always seen with a pipe in his mouth and that he was as proud of his horses. Uh, most of his spare time he spent taking care of his horses, currying them. And you know how a horse looks when it's curried down, oh, yeah. shiny, just yeah. beautiful animals. So, anyway, as the story goes, the stage from Masilla was late, a little over three hours late, to be exact. And everybody was a little worried for fear it had been attacked by Indians. And Jacoby kept uh, watching over the, over the horizon to see if he could see that stage coming in. Now, here's a term I, I may need some help on. They refer to a guy called a drummer. And I couldn't find anything about uh, a him. A drummer? Yeah, uh, drummers were people in the old west that were like salespeople. They were like oh, okay. your they were like your uh, vacuum cleaner salesman. Okay, okay so they go all over trying to sell their goods. Okay, so very good, thank you. A drummer was one of those waiting for the stage, and the delay was losing him money every minute. Then that makes sense, right? Uh, he seemed to be silently cursing the stagecoach, the Indians, and everything else about the territory of New Mexico. Yeah. Well, in time, the stage arrived. It had been late in leaving Masilla, and heavy sands along the way had kind of slowed the horse's speed. And the driver brought word that the renegade Victoria had killed a man down below the Rio Grande and had then doubled back, and it was believed that he was in the vicinity of Martin's Wells. That Indian you're talking about, that Indian chief, Victorio, yeah. was feared and was featured in a lot of old Western movies. Okay. Yeah, so he, he was kind of a bad dude, yeah. really. Yeah. Well, 
Now, the only passengers, other than the drummer, were two ladies on their way to the Ivanhoe Mine in Grafton to join their husbands. And it was suggested that no word of the danger be spoken because they didn't want to scare these ladies, these two ladies. All right? So, here's the picture. you got the drummer up there with Jacoby. He's uh, up on top with him, kind of riding shotgun. And these two women inside the stage. Well, Jacoby hitched up his team of horses, which were raring to go, tossed on the mail. Then he yelled to the drummer to hurry up. That time was a-wasting. By previous arrangements, the drummer rode up on top with Jacoby as a shotgun guard. And it is assumed that for this duty, he probably got to ride for free. He probably said, you ride up there with a shotgun, you can just ride for free. Hmm. You couldn't pay me enough. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, the first 15 miles went by without any problem, and much of the lost time was made up. Uh, It was not until Jacoby stopped his team for a short breather and a drink of water. Uh, and then something kind of out of the ordinary took place, okay? During this short little rest, the horses were kind of prancing and shying at some kind of unknown something. And you've been around horses, Ev. Oh, my life. If, if the horse starts acting a little funny, you know there's, there's yeah. something. Something going on. Something's going yeah. on. Anyway, um, Jacoby handed the reins to the drummer. He got down and looked the ground over real careful, and his eyes fastened on some tracks in the sand. Well, he jumped back onto the driver's seat, anxious to be off, and just at that moment, a loud, blood-curdling scream shattered the, the air, and Jacoby instinctively yelled one word, Victorio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was, he was on, the, on the warpath. All right? Now, it was from there, it was five miles to Martin's Wells, and Jacoby's whip would bark loudly as it snapped over the heads of his team. All the while, the drummer was firing his rifle into the charging mass of Indians, and with each report of his gun, an Indian seemed to fall from the saddle. And still, they came a-charging after the coach, and arrows a-flying at the stagecoach. Now, mile by mile, the team ate up the distance until at last, through the gathering darkness, the protective walls of Martin's Wells came into sight. Two miles. One mile. Well, uh... It was nip and tuck all the way, and Jacoby prayed that they would make it. I'm surprised those horses lasted that long. Five miles. Okay. Uh, the the yelling Indians drew closer. The horses, now, again, you can picture this. They were lathered from head to flank. They gave their all in one last mighty effort. The stage was uh, maybe 100 or so yards from the gates when a mighty yell of triumph welled in the throats of the Indians. Victory was to be theirs after all. The stage would have to stop for a few seconds in order that the gate could be opened to let them through. So picture this, the gate's closed. (laughs) And they're being chased by Indians. If you and I were driving, it wouldn't be. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Jacoby had given this a little thought, but he made no effort to check his speed. It seemed as though the stage would crash the gate. Then, almost as if by magic, this mighty wooden gate swung wide and the stage and the team entered without breaking stride the cries of rage and madness which rent the air from the indians was terrifying such perfect timing could never happen again now here's what happened the person responsible for this miracle was a woman who had become alarmed when jacoby's stage was overdue now she was kind of uneasy about this so she decided to stand watch And when she heard the noise from the desert, she realized what was happening. 
Okay, the gate had been opened at just the right time. Mm. During all the excitement, Jacoby had not been able to think of his women passengers. But now that the danger was over, he became a little concerned. Not once during the whole run had he heard a sound from the ladies, and he figured they'd been killed or badly wounded. In the stage. In the stage. So Jacoby opened the door, the stage door, and there on the floor lay the bodies of the two women. Wow. Then, before anyone could say a word, a low moan was heard, and the apparent lifeless bodies stirred and sat up, rubbing their eyes. The ladies calmly asked if they had reached Martin's Wells. Really? They were still alive. (laughs) They had fallen asleep shortly after leaving Point of the Rocks and had continued their nap through the whole terrible ordeal. All the shooting and everything? Yeah, yeah. And they're asleep in the stage. Uh, you know, now, there's a lot of stories about things that have been forgotten, but there's a few stories that remain. And uh, anyway. I, I've got to ask you at, at uh, Martin Wells. Okay. Now, was this a garrison of cavalry, or was it private individuals, or who really uh, uh, was going to be on the parapets up on the walls and, and protect them? Let me just show you a couple of pictures. And there was just a few buildings around. Oh, my. See, but there really wasn't oh like a fort. Oh, my. That's the gate he went through, huh? Uh, I I don't know that. I, I, I think these were maybe some out how out buildings or something i don't know well you say the outhouse i doubt seriously (laughs) no that's pretty big okay uh but uh anyway this this says this is the uh uh martin wells uh relay station right here which must have been enclosed in this now is that uh still a relic of the past is it still there i don't know because this story was written clear back in 1967 uh this is out of uh frontier times wow uh from 1967 so I I don't know that anything still did, exists. Did the modern roads uh, through that area, did they adapt to that trail that the stages use? You know, most roads yeah. do follow, yeah. like, uh, the Oregon Trail, the Santa yeah. Fe Trail. The, yep. uh, so, yeah, uh, and again, those a lot of those trails started out just as animal trails, and then the Indians yeah. followed them, then the, the stages, and one thing or another. You know, there's so much about our past and so much about our history. Uh, that's why I really relish having you on this program, uh, all these different stories. Now, there again, the writing of these stories and the passing down of these stories, one questions the validity of a lot of these stories. <laughs> but, man, there's a lot of these... Uh, kinds of stories about the stagecoach etc i'm sure there's many more and you know the the thing i like about these this these older magazines that i get the yeah. frontier times yeah. and true west is uh i i believe they're pretty accurate well when you look at 67 you said that's where you got that story right in 1967 yeah we're only talking and this is really something to think about we're only talking 67 years from the turn of the century from the 1800s to right. the 1900s yeah. Uh, That's basically an old grandfather's lifetime. Right. And I'm looking at the date, if you forgot, was 1867 yeah. when uh, when Martin was in the Army and, and going through. So 1867, 8, 9, right in there. Wow. You know? Yeah. So uh, I thought that was a pretty fascinating story. about. You know what my interest was and my concern when you were telling that story? The horses. Yeah. 
Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. But, How did they come out after that horrendous well, run? And, and, you know, you hear stories of horses that have run and run until they are broke. They're gone. They're, they're, they're they gone. are no more, yeah. you know, and I, I've read stories of, and you have too, of uh, guys that have no sympathy for the horse, and they just run them basically to death. Do you remember the John Wayne movie, Hondo? Okay. I don't remember the, all the details. Well, Hondo was, uh, you know, John Wayne played that part, and it's one of his most famous movies. And it was all about the Indian fighting, if you will, in the Southwest. The Indian chief that he went against in that movie was Vittorio. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I probably ought to do a story about him, about Vittorio. I yeah. don't think I've ever done yeah. one. He was him. a very feared chief, but he was also known to be extremely fair. Oh, yeah. To the white men, even though they were at war. Yeah. Yeah. And that happened a lot. You know, the uh, uh, some of the uh, agents on the reservations uh, took total advantage yeah. of the Indians. And others were very fair yep. and uh, treated treated them very well. You know, there's what about stories like that closer to home here in Idaho? Did we have circumstances like that? Um, you know, of course, we did have stagecoaches that went through, yeah. but uh, I don't know of any... Well, we did have a stagecoach robbery up uh, between the Vipont Mine and Oakley right. years ago, right. and, and I, I have told that story, um, but it was supposedly the last stagecoach hold up in Idaho, and it was actually robbed by the owners of the stagecoach. Really? The, the guy that owned the stagecoach knew that the uh, payroll for the Vipont Mine was going on a certain day, and so he and another guy robbed his own stage. When everything was said and done, he only got like $2.50 because the payroll had gone the day before. That wouldn't even buy you an ice cream cone today. <laughs> no. You know what we ought to do is put a plea out to anybody listening that has uh, maybe relatives that lived here in the Old West. That sure. Maybe some of the stories we could check on and pursue. Yeah, just go to my webpage, dr-history.com, and hit comments and send me your comments or suggestions. All right. That Doc- would be great. Dr. History, an outstanding story. Thank you so much. And a great big shout out and a hello to all those people you mentioned earlier.